1: Jeff Kemper Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Hope you're well. Appreciate you joining us. Corey Clark, my good buddy from WarChant.com, will join us at the bottom of the hour. Talk to him about... I kind of want to know the order he'd put these guys in, Hall of Fame-wise. We did this exercise. You and I did. I'm going to ask him about it. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, a couple of other things, but I'm going to ask him about that, too.
2: Good exercise. Still sore from it. <laughs> it's very mm-hmm.
1: good. Mm-hmm. You geared up, buddy? You ready to go? Game five, hey. Rangers, Lightning, here we go.
2: Funny you say that, because once the mm-hmm. music started for this hour, as I said to Director Matthew off-camera here, boy, it just hit me. It's a big oh, game tonight. Oh, big game, buddy. Big game be tonight.
1: be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to it. Uh, I get to where I can – I've gotten – listen, you, you brought it up. You're right. This is true. Everybody who's had a team that's ever gone on a prolonged run of success understands that what it buys you in the beginning is just satisfaction, maybe pride, or whatever it might be, right? You you get to boast about your squad. If they, if they sustain it to what would only be considered an unreasonable level or a historically great level, the way the Lightning have, then – It's all house money. Everything's house money. And what that leads to is the ability to enjoy games for what they are and not fear them. It's amazing. We love sport. I think we're adrenaline junkies in this way. We love sport. But, man, if you really are passionate about your team, Florida State or anybody else, then when the actual – rubber meets the road, you're nervous. That's part of how you feel. You're kind of nervous because the thought of losing, the thought of the disappointment that comes with losing a big game, outweighs the, the joy, oddly. Coaches talk about this all the time. Players talk about this all the time. The wins that you have, you you forget about them, out and it's on to the next. The losses linger. The losses linger. They weigh on you a little bit. Now, hopefully, you get to a place in your fandom as you get older where you have proper perspective, and you place them there. None of us have that perspective whatsoever in our 20s or early 20s. All early 20s fans are idiots. Every one of them, and myself included. We all took those games to mean the world, and they're just games. Games I care about passionately, but you haven't lived enough to have any real perspective, so it's everything. It's like that has that's the biggest damn deal in the world when your team loses when you're 19 years old. You keep it for three weeks, you're thinking about the, the play that wasn't made, the call that went against you, the outcome that you're still pissed about and how it reverberates and affects the rest of your season and the rest of the games. And somewhere along the way, you're like, well, this is stupid. I mean, I've got two kids. I, I'll be all right. you know. I mean, let's, but it takes a while. The point is, that's great. Even when you're adjusted, you still get nervous about big games, big moments for teams that you're passionate about and you love. But man, when they won like the Lightning have won, for as long as they have, and they've already achieved the ultimate goal, not once but twice back to back, three times total in their franchise history, of course, you, you can just watch the game. You're going to root. You're going to care. Yeah. You, you're going to be you, excited. Been you been want there. them to do it. But you know that if they don't, they don't.
2: You've been there and you've seen it. I'm on a, a group text with a lot of family members from different parts of New York that are Rangers fans. Yeah. And extended you tell them family- the go to hell? They're I mean, the, I would lead with it. As you might imagine, they're the ones who chirp more than we do. Oh, of and, course. And, you know, I'm just sitting back and watching. i like, I remember that. I remember when I was like you, insecure, you know, feeling this fleeting feeling that, are we ever going to get back? It's a long road. We got to the finals in 2015. That's. I mean, we're closing in on 10 years ago that we got to the finals. Mm. And then you lose a game seven in the East against Pittsburgh and yeah. Washington after leading 3-2 in both of those series. Mm-hmm. So you hit the lows. And then, if you're lucky enough... You make it out the other side, you need a couple of bounces to go your way. But now you appreciate that. You're saying, well, if the bounces go our way, we're on our way. For me, the thing that gets me the most excited, I know tonight is a huge game. And to my wife, it's a massive one because it's 94. They haven't, She hasn't yeah. seen them climb the mountain. Yeah. But it's 30 minutes before puck drop on Saturday, no matter what happens. Because the pregame presentation in Tampa, you know it, yeah. is, I mean, you talk about adrenaline. It's You'll almost be,
1: too long. It's it is. Like, it's, like, it's like going to a Springsteen show. Like He comes out for that third encore, and you're like, okay, you know, Bruce, I'm good. Right. I, I don't need to right. hear another song. I've heard the whole canon. I mean, we it's three and a half hours. My back is starting to hurt. We Yeah, can go. yeah. The Lightning's pregame is a little bit like one of those shows where even though you love the artist, you're like, I've probably seen enough. We don't have to. You know what? Nebraska's a great record. I don't need the eighth song off that record right here. We do. <laughs>
2: When I took my dad in 15, it was a handshake game. We played Montreal. We ended up winning that game. Got him tickets to where we used to have season tickets. They go through the first intro and, and in our day in 04, there was one. There was one intro. Everybody's right, you know, they're ready to go. Awesome. There are three in Tampa. Three different things that happen. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Jesus, Tommy, I can't take this anymore. What are they going to play?" <laughs> Cause he's just so fired up, and he's a little older. He's like, yeah, he's out of energy. Yeah, I can't do this. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for that on Saturday. Hopefully, either way, somebody could lose and be eliminated. So there's going to be that extra little pizzazz. In a little it, in something stands. to it.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, it'll be fun. But I just, I, I'm just thinking, uh, fandom people can relate. We ended the last hour talking about the energy that we once felt, and a lot of that was born out of the long stretch of success. And all of the games were big, and the product was great. And it created a mood, it created a feel, it created, uh, in this town, um, sort of there was a vibe to this city. And uh, an energy, if you will, that has just been non-existent uh, over this stretch of poor play. Now listen, nobody has, uh, you know, no reasonable, no fair-minded person thinks that it's going to stay this way forever, Uh, Just like we know, at some point, the Lightning's run of winning the Stanley Cup is going to end. It's already uh, more than we could have dreamt of. And I knew even back when Florida State was an annual uh, threat to win the national title and was uh, annually in the top four, that couldn't last forever. It, It never has anywhere else. And it's not going to uh, last forever, so just try to appreciate this. Now, again, it's it's a little bit easier as you get older to have the moment to step back from whatever it is you're watching or whatever you're immersed in and have uh, the ability to appreciate it, to take a second to appreciate it. I told you this story. I'll never forget this. When we played Oklahoma and Norman, and I went to that game with my dad and my good buddy Eric, and they were doing the uh, they were doing the pregame festivities, and they were, we were all about to stand uh, for the national anthem, and they it was the anniversary was nine uh, years nine, yeah, yeah yeah nine years nine eleven, and they were they were talking about that, and uh, and so anyhow in that moment it's easy to do you're you're, you're reminded, but I'm glad I did because I didn't always. In that moment, I took the time to look around that stadium. And realize who I was with, where I was. You know, I told everybody on this show for years I've got family that went to OU and we had a family farm and all of that. I just I took time to appreciate it to really and then we got our heads kicked in. But but beforehand, I really did appreciate everything about it. I was like, this is it's a beautiful day here, and I'm so fortunate to get the opportunity to do this. And obviously you're reminded of those that don't. In a situation like that, or sure. didn't have the chance, and so yeah, I took the time to appreciate that, and it, it's—I'd like to—I—I'll <laughs> I, say this: we've been bad long enough, Tom. I'd like to to appreciate Ah, being good again. I'd like to take the time to truly appreciate the good that's back.
2: This is a segment from the FM dial right after the switch about the Buccaneers. We've had this exact same talk.
1: Yeah. When does enough time pass where the last title or great moment in your franchise or program's history, when does it run out? And now you're starting to get aggravated. So how long were we able to successfully emotionally mm-hmm. rely on the Super Bowl victory uh, in 02, Right, like I, how long did that last? I think a good ten years. It
2: did, which is it happened in, at the FM dial, which is now ten years ago. This August, can you believe that? That's unbelievable. The switch from AM to FM, and that was ten years post Buccaneer Super Bowl season. So twenty years ago, we had that run, and they didn't win a playoff game until last year. Two seasons ago with Brady, they had not won one single playoff game I know, in it years. got old, buddy. It did. Oh, I it still, did.
1: We, we reached a breaking point. I, I want to say like 2009 or 2010, we were starting to be like, oh, yep, hey, yeah. man.
2: Why am I rooting so hard for our first win of the season against just, Green Bay in October? Right, like, why have, am I happy? We don't
1: have to suck, guys. <laughs> we, yeah. we could be better. You know We could be a better yeah. team here.
2: Tenard Jackson and LeGarrette Blunder players now. Come on, we can build around them. Yeah. So. For for FSU, I want for the kids because there, there's now been a whole graduating class that never saw anything, period. At least my colleagues, my classmates at Florida State, mm. I wasn't there till the, the spring of 2006, but they had the Miami Monday night game at home. <laughs> Eight sacks and the muff at the end, all that stuff. That's great. They had that moment. They thought they were better. They won the ACC that year. So they had something, and then we went through the really down spiral of the lost decade. Mm-hmm. These poor kids think of us as a basketball school that are going there right now as seniors. I want for them the opportunity yeah. to walk into that building like Oklahoma in 2011, which, is incredible. which was the, the most eerie and amazing thing I've ever felt walking into Doe Campbell Stadium. An hour before the game, that place was unbelievably electric.
1: In the same way you want that for them, I wanted that for you, and that's why I got so excited when we went out to Pasadena because I got to watch you appreciate, absorb, take in this incredible moment. And it, oddly, this sounds strange for people, but it meant less to me. I knew it meant less to me sure. than it did you. And, uh, you know, I, I've been in attendance for their national championship victories and losses, all of them. And I was just kind of like, oh, we get to do it again. I didn't know if we are going to get to do it again. Great. That, that felt good to me. I was excited. It was the culmination of a lot of things. But to see it from your eyes, to look at you and you taking that moment in after you had been in the midst of the lost decade as a student right. and not seen the successes that I had seen, I was happy. Yeah. Yeah, because we're dear friends, and I was just happy to see
2: you happy. It was great. And you had sports PTSD, and that's when Trey Mason broke away. I'm thinking, wow, so it ends like it began mm. <laughs> as a student. Mm. You're going to take me across the country, though. To drop the hammer, all I could see is Ty Jones and Christian Ponder or Marcus Sims or Darwin Ford. <laughs> or and every like,
1: disappointing wow, moment of the last So day. you're going
2: to do that again to me? And that's where, like, in my household, you've got uh, – friends who were fans of different teams, maybe like the Rangers, you mm. before mentioned Eric. Like mm. if they ever win the World Series, you know how much that's gonna mean to him after Nelly Cruz in right field? Oh I, I mean still, my I, God I still ache for him. That I, I
1: couldn't believe I watched that live,
2: yeah. My my wife and mother in law are Vikings fans. If they ever win the mm. Super Bowl, it won't come close to what the Brady Super Bowl meant to you and me. Right. It'll be the thing forevermore. Yeah. Anytime sports comes up, they'll show that the, I mean there they are with their hat, their Super Bowl championship hat. I will say
1: I do like that not only Yeah, you're right. But I like that we housed Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, we
2: did. Beat yeah. that ass. And we first guessed it. Yeah, we did. You can check back we, on the yeah, scuttlebucks. We did. Like, we did. There's, this one, it just this felt right easy. for us.
1: It, I was like, man, you know, I think we're going to. We kind of thought we might beat their ass. And it happened. Well, it just. That feels good because they were this force that can't be stopped. and all that. right.
2: When you were talking about the thin nature of Florida State's roster yesterday. And and how it's akin to the NFL, a salary cap roster. Yeah, if you're missing both of your starting tackles as an NFL team, yeah, you're screwed. You're in deep trouble.
1: Yeah, especially against that group. Yep. Yeah, you 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 may have a hard day at the office. And uh, yeah, yeah, that felt good. Well, let's do this. Um, We got to solve for the future, and we got kind of a fun segment to do it with with our friends from ISF, uh, because we do have Tom, the aforementioned from yesterday. Some totals that were released out of the ACC. Bring it. God, two things I love. ACC football and gambling. Next. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio. Or Chad TV. Time or your money back, guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Jeff Cameron Show is sponsored by the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. Great rates, cutting-edge technology, and transparent communication is the recipe for a five-star mortgage experience at FSUHomeLoans.com.
2: History, don't know much biology, don't know much about the Ah, the great
1: smoke. Sam Cooke. Don't
2: know much this is about Jeff the 933
1: Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Our partners at ISF sponsored this here segment as we solve for the future, just like they do. Over 80 unique clients, over 1,500 projects, over 40 plus years across. Most of the country, most of the nation. So that tells you uh, the viability, the expertise, the reliability of ISF in executing your vision. You know, you might work in state government and, you know, that can be difficult, like trying to solve for the future there Um, and and technologically advance to a place where you can be more efficient and realize your goals. Um, ISF can help you get there. And if you want to learn more about them, ISF.com. You can read about it, their expertise. Again, 40 years in the business, solving for the future. And we need to do that right now, Tom. Let's let's get some gambling uh, money in order. Mm-hmm. Let's everybody figure out what we're doing. You, got, you guys got your money? You know what you're doing? You want a little help here? Let's go through these. Uh, who dropped these? Was this DraftKings? Uh, that's correct. One day they'll sponsor us. Well, they need to get on it because uh, I, I feel like we would – I mean, we would do well by them. Uh, I, I, I'm gambling on golf right now on DraftKings. Uh, and uh, like You're
2: placing a wager. You're doing a segment, and you're just typing away. No, no,
1: I, I placed the wager already. I have, uh, and, and it's a good day. It's a good day to start. Which I, team did
2: you pick in the live? I,
1: <laughs> uh, uh, I did have Matthew Fitzpatrick today at the RBC, and he uh, is in the clubhouse with a cool 6-under. Appreciate you, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, Rory McIlroy, by the way, 4-under as well. Good for you. Good for you, Rory. Uh, but anyhow, that's, uh, that's, that's neither here nor there. We're going to be looking at ACC win totals. And uh, for our purposes, uh, I do believe that uh, the Sportsbook at DraftKings gave us some numbers to look into, and we love futures. Do we not? Love them. All right. You pick which teams you want me to take a look at here and solve.
2: I've got three schedules up right now on my uh, browser because I think that's what this game is you look at the schedule and you judge context of where games <laughs> are and all that kind of stuff so we'll start with NC State NC State which could be a favorite in the Atlantic in fact they are one of the favorites to win the Atlantic this year yes but nine to one to win the
1: ACC and what are they to win the Atlantic four to one three to one well,
2: anything above two to one is good odds, I would say.
1: By the way, you can get Northwestern plus thirteen right now against Nebraska for a game on Saturday, August the twenty seventh. If you just were, if that's something you were looking at, oh, that's easy.
2: The final score is thirteen to six. I was gonna say easy I don't cover. know
1: if the two teams combined can score thirteen points there, so you may want to take those points. I'm just saying, man. Um, yeah, team futures. Well, there's. By the way, you can do team futures for a national championship and there's all that stuff too. But I, I, I like. Looking at these numbers, so North Carolina State win total. Did we establish that was nine and a half?
2: Yeah, I think that's yeah, nine and a half. Because we you did want me to double check. Yeah, double check.
1: I think it's important that we get it right if we're going to solve for the future. I got to give that's people correct. the right. Got numbers. to know the
2: now to be able to solve. For yeah, the future. we. You had those eight numbers. and a half. Yeah, eight it's
1: half. eight and a half. Well, I'm going over all day long. I'm going over all day long there. I like them to, uh, to cover that number because I think that they have a real good chance to win the Atlantic. In fact, I think they have a very good chance to win the ACC. And if you're going to win the ACC, I think you're going to have to win nine games at least.
2: Yeah, I'd say that you're going to get halfway home, well, nearly halfway home in their first four games. It's East Carolina, Charleston, Southern Texas Tech, and UConn. That's how they start their season. Yeah. yeah. So there's four right there. You're on the winning track. Then they go to Clemson and they play us. That's their tough stretch. Then after that, it's Syracuse on the road, a bi-week Virginia Tech. Right back on that horse, doing some things. For my purposes, whenever we look at these numbers
1: and it's eight and a half, I just need to win nine games, man. I don't need them to be juggernauts. I don't need them to be dominant. Do I have nine wins on that schedule? I think the answer is a resounding yes.
2: Right. In that case, if you're picking a good team, you're looking for four losses. That's what you're trying That's to find. That's what you're trying, you're trying to find. find. Okay, so Clemson... Clemson at, on the road. Who they beat a year ago. Right. Florida State. Well, they're Wake, hosting that game. They are. And Wake, they'll be the favorites of that game. They will be. Wake Forest at home again. They lost that game by three in a war. Uh, yeah. At Louisville. At North Carolina. So you got five candidates. If I, they go three and two in those, you're fine. Yeah. I mean, I, it's hard to find uh,
1: four losses there. Yeah, they, they, You're right. So we're cruising past the over there.
2: How about Wake Forest? Also eight and a half
1: and Thunder. Uh, I, I keep saying this because, now you think about some of the games they won last year, 45-42 over NC State. I mentioned that a moment ago. This was sort of a theme with them. Uh, their defense was not good. Uh, last year at one point when they were 8-and-0, they, they looked, they were kind of a, a mirage. They had an 8-and-0 record, and their defensive numbers were top 30. They finished the season outside the top 90 in a lot of important categories defensively. I just don't think they're going to get enough stops, and I don't think they can win all of those really close offensive explosion games. Uh, Hell, I think them trying to win here is going to be a tall task. In fact, I'm going under their win total.
2: That's another situation in which a team plays Clemson the week before they play us. It's a beautiful situation. So they host Clemson. No matter there, that's going to be a tough game for them to win. They come on the road to play us. Yeah. So the other candidates, if you're trying to find four losses, yeah, because
1: they're eight and a half as well. Yes, I'm going under
2: at Louisville, maybe, maybe at NC State. But that's a loss. Week of the they're, they're, year, they're going to lose that game. North Carolina, so it's going to be close. They also play Army this year, but yeah, uh, I don't know. They'll, they'll outscore Army.
1: I, I think they're going to lose to us, and I think they're going to lose to uh, NC State. And so I just need them to lose. one. Clemson,
2: that's now they're at nine, so you need to lose one more. They got to lose one more. Okay. This gonna be a close one.
1: It'll be close. I'm still. I, if I had to bet it, I'd take the uh, under there. I think they go something like seven and five. Louisville, six and a half. Uh, over, over. I think uh, Louisville will win seven games.
2: Here's who they play. We'll do a W's and Ls rapid mm-hmm, fire. Mm-hmm. At Syracuse to open the season. Win at UCF. Win hosting us. Son of a.
1: <laughs> They're going to be favored uh, Yeah I I right. kind of like us All right, kind of like us Ooh, that's interesting mm-hmm.
2: USF Win All right At Boston College Win At Virginia Win Really? Okay Man, Virginia sucks By week hosting Pitt Pitt returns a lot on both lines I learned that but today But they don't return their first round NFL quarterback yeah, That's correct um, Flip of the coin Wake Forest in Louisville Flip of the coin All right James Madison Win at Clemson. Loss. NC State hosting. Loss. At Kentucky.
1: Ooh. Ooh could come down. So they got to get fat early. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're a seven-win team. We only got to get over six and a half.
2: That's right. We're going yeah. over, baby.
1: We're going over. There's seven wins there.
2: All right. And finally, before we get to Corey, us.
1: Oh, we're doing W's and L's?
2: That no, number's at six and a half. We, okay. we don't have to. We do W's and L's all the time.
1: What right. do you think? Just. But is that number at DraftKings? Six, six and a half. Six and a half.
2: Over. I agree. Yeah, jump on the I, over The there. bell curve says that seven or eight are the two likeliest outcomes. Yeah, I think, so that's, got I think to. that's
1: accurate. Yeah, I'd go over. And I mean that. I'll bet that for real. Uh, I'll take the over there. Like, this isn't like my heart. I'm going to bet it. And I'm good at differentiating the two. I, I, I bet against FSU uh, when I'm sure that they're going to lose. I can do it.
2: Those were good Atlantic
1: solutions. Maybe we could do coastal solutions one day. I can't wait. We'll do coastal solutions soon, soon enough. Let's bring Corey in. Let's talk to Corey. Do we want to talk to him right now, or do we want to break and come back?
2: Little short guy. Short break.
1: All right. Hang in there, Corey. We'll get to you. Over for us. Jeff Cameronson, show 933 Real Talk Radio Warchant TV. <laughs> 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 Jeff Cameron 933 Real Talk Radio Warchant TV. Let's bring him in. Let's not wait. Bring in Corey Clark, WarChant.com. Hello, Corey. How the
0: hell are you, brother? What's up, buddy? How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm doing good. It's good to see you. Hey, I got to see your son in a dunk contest last night. Yeah, he dunked backwards. Uh, Just did a little wimpy sort of backwards dunk, didn't he? Well, and that's what Brady's Brady's note to him was. was got like, a thunder. to do it with more authority.
1: Yeah, I know. I saw it. Uh, Christy filmed it, and uh, all I said was, I know you were probably a little intimidated, a little, a little shy sometimes in front of large groups like that. And he said he thought the ball was going to slip. He was worried the mm. ball. He said the ball, the ball was slippery, and he was worried he was going to slip out of his hand, and he didn't want to miss the dunk. Right. And so I said, all right, well, fair enough. I said, but violence is always the answer in a dunk contest.
0: Yeah. Violence. You're going to get al- oohs and ahs if you hammer that thing. Like, yeah. Just go up and like tomahawk it. Oh, I like, said violence. You got to yeah. come on, man. Um, we got to pull you know it what? down. know Dominique? Back in the day, like yeah. Dominique wasn't doing crazy aerial stuff. He was just inviolent, Im- yeah, dunk, like trying to tear the rim off. So next time Bryce is in a dunk contest, he's got some notes now. He'll know how to now, know how to handle it.
1: In fairness, I don't want people to get the wrong idea. He's fourteen. He can't dunk on a regulation rim yet. It was nine feet, and he was dunking right. on a nine foot rim.
0: So-, so he did a reverse dunk on a nine foot goal. I was pretty impressive buddy he's got those cameron jeans yeah you know he gets mad that uh i don't know why he's
1: jealous uh, that his old man can still touch the rim at 51 or 50 mm. i'll be 51 and yeah, i
0: feel like that would make him like he encouraged. should like, yes yeah, i'm gonna i got a chance here yeah i know I do- well you know what it Meanwhile, is well look at what brady has to look at for his <laughs> role model. no buddy
1: you are a lean mean machine right now you're just not tall
0: well, I, and I'm never, and he, I'm never going to get
1: tall. <laughs> it's not suddenly going to happen. No, but you're in great shape. I don't make, don't make fun of yourself. Uh, oh, you, all right. All right. Let's do, let's do this. Which of the guys would you place in the hall of fame first? We got a chance earlier in the week to see the names, obviously all time greats there in the form of Peter Warwick and Warwick Dunn. And I, I, you know, I just, I started thinking about it cause you and I are old hats. We go back. Yeah. We remember yeah. the history of this great program. There was a time, folks, if you're out there, that Forest State was really good. Every year they had yeah. a bunch of All-Americans. <laughs> <laughs> and these are guys that we've been waiting on and you know probably should have already been in the Hall of Fame. But then I started thinking, I wonder who Corey would have. Who would he pick? If he could only take one of the three that were nominated here that are on the list, who would you have in first?
0: Peter Warwick. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I think that's the easy one. I think number two is the one that's debatable, but Peter Warwick is still one of the five best wide receivers I've ever seen in college football. I agree He's with that. He's just nuts. I, 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 and he would translate to today. Um, he would translate in any era. Um, he just – it was like a mixtape, man. If y'all go back and watch his highlights on YouTube, it is a mixtape. He's making dudes fall down and buckle to a knee all the time. Um, no, I'm not quite sure what happened. I know he got injured in the NFL, mm-hmm. and I think that kind of – it shouldn't, but I think that always devalues a, a player's greatness in college as if, if they don't pan out in the NFL. But, man, that dude that dude is one of the five, three, five best wide receivers I've ever seen, and I think he was the best wide receiver in the country two years in a row. He was. And that's that's very rare. You know, by the way, and it's interesting,
1: Corey, because I think another thing that is rare is that when you're watching a player who's truly transcendently great, who's preternaturally awesome, right, right? Sometimes it takes a little time to go by and you reflect at their greatness. We knew in the moment, everybody in that stadium knew what they were watching was truly special and transcendent. Like, you knew, I'm probably never going to see a guy, and if I do, maybe one other guy that is ever looks anything close to
0: this. Yeah. Yeah, it was in – he did everything, too. Now, he could throw. He he did reverses. He yeah. had the one against Louisiana Tech, the double-triple reverse. Um but he was just, uh, and he was a, and he was a competitor, man. Like he was just a compete. He wasn't well, one of those wide receivers that would run out of bounds, just or duck down. He was always trying to get extra yards and make people miss. And I think, you know, ninety-seven, he had that breakout game against Clemson. Remember where he had like three long touchdowns and over three hundred yards of total offense. But then the rest of that year was just kind of eh, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing yeah. extra special. And then ninety-eight came around and it started in the uh, who they play, A and M, Texas A and M, yep. to start that season with Winkie. And then uh, he was just incredible the whole season. And I think Florida State fans rightly will never forgive Mark Rick for the uh, game plan and, and, and in and the Fiesta Bowl where Peter Warrick had one catch. Uh, it, it's just incredible. And the first play of the game, you remember this, Jeff, I'm sure. I don't know how drunk you were that day, but I'm sure I'm sure it still sticks with you. They lined him up at quarterback for the very first snap of the game, and they got a delay a game. And then they never lined him up at quarterback again. I was at the game. And we yeah, all know, know and we all know what would have happened had
1: Winky been healthy. Uh we would have drubbed Tennessee by 40 or if you get it to your best player 12 times. That's the other part is that yeah. midway through that game when it became apparent that Rooster sucked and had no chance to <laughs> do anything. Right. Uh I was sc- He could throw a little he could throw a little out pass that to- hey. he could throw a stop pass to Peter Work maybe. Man, man, all I was screaming at the time was just put Peter Work at quarterback and let him run around. Yeah. Just let him yeah. run around. Just like that yeah. guy is gonna make a play. It, oh, drives me nuts. All right. So I would go Warwick Dunn next.
0: You wouldn't? I think I would go Janikowski. Um, only because of. And we lived through this era. Um, yeah. Uh, just he that we had never seen anything like that dude. Yeah. It, I don't know that we still have. Like he was a star <laughs> kicker. Yeah. And he was like uh, yeah. bigger than life. He was. He was also borderline criminal. Yeah. And that's my issue. Like, Warwick (laughs) Dunn is actually a very good person off the field. I think that's been well documented. Yeah. Shanikowski not so much. So if it's even, I don't know if the College Football Hall of Fame cares about that kind of stuff. Um, If we're talking about on-field exploits, Warwick Dunn was my all-time favorite player at Florida State probably. Just, you loved everything about him. But I don't think he was as unique a running back as Janikowski was at his position. That's, That's fair.
1: A, That's fair. I still I, I think at the end of the day because it's so close I would just go Warwick Dunn because he's a freaking awesome dude, um and and Jano was not. Uh, correct. But 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 yes. Do you there,
0: remember Warwick Dunn's? Uh, I, it might be uh what is it called? Apocryphal? That's the word, right? Mm-hmm. I think it happened when the when the Bucks were interviewing him before the draft and they asked him what he did best. Do you remember what his answer was? I don't. I scored touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, that's a great answer, right? That's an incredible answer. And then they draft him in the first round, and he scored a lot of touchdowns.
1: Yeah, and he would have scored even more if Mike Allstad hadn't gone and vultured everything because yeah, he, he would get him down to the one, and then Allstad
0: <laughs> would score from an inch away over and over again. Stat where, uh, where there's only been three running backs in history that have had like 10 or 12 1,000-yard seasons from scrimmage, mm. and it's Emmitt Smith like Marshall Falk and Warwick Dunn. In the NFL, I'm talking about. Warwick
1: Dunn was ahead of his time, though. Remember, because he was that. He could do it all. He caught the ball to the backfield. Now, he wasn't as good as Marshall Falk, but he was, again, ahead of his time. I think Warwick Dunn, you can make a strong case for Warwick Dunn to be in the Hall of Fame. If you're just looking at total yards.
0: Oh, you're talking about the NFL Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it is a no-brainer. about That's the point I really want to make. All three of these dudes, it is a no-brainer. Oh, sure. Like, Janikowski's the only two-time Groves Award winner. He was a I think a three-time All-American. He was just nuts. He had highlight reels. And then Warwick Dunn and Peter Warwick are two of the best that's ever done. And it's just a matter of time they'll all be in. Um, But it's kind of odd that Peter Warwick isn't already in. And what bothered me- I agree with that. Is when that list was released earlier in the week, all the national writers were like, wow, there's some big names in here. And they would list this guy and that guy and that guy. And they didn't mention Peter Warwick. And I just don't want Peter Warwick to be lost to history because in the moment- Peter Warwick was as big a star and as awesome a college football player as you would have ever seen. I don't He didn't win the Heisman because of Dillards. I'll never understand why Warwick Dunn wasn't even a Heisman candidate ever, really. But Peter Warwick would have won the Heisman in '99 if not for Dillards. He was unquestionably the best player in the country, and I just don't want him to be lost in time, and he definitely deserved to be in the hall. but heck, it took Marvin. 30 years to get
1: in. It, which is absurd. By the way, do you sure. do this? Because we, we do long for some of the uh, simpler times in college football. That's well-documented during this time of upheaval. But do you do what I do when the list comes out? Because I have a feeling you do. You go through every name, and yeah. then you try to remember vividly their careers. And something about this latest list of 80-whatever guys, I was sitting there like, D'Angelo Williams, Garrison Hurst, your boy from Georgia, yeah. he's in that. He's on that list. But I, it's Dwight Freeney's on that list. Simeon Rice is on that list. Um, you could go on and on and on. But sometimes it puts a smile on your face when you see, you know, Paul Polusny uh, or whatever from uh, Penn State, right? Um, sure. And and Tim Couch is on that
0: list, and Michael Bishop, and I. I can remember everyone. Michael, Michael Bishop is. Michael on Michael Bishop got Florida State into a na- that national yes, championship game. We were right. talking about was because of Michael Bishop. God bless Michael because, Bishop. Well, no, he lost. He was the quarterback at Kansas. I know. State. And, that's and, why yeah, I oh, say God I bless God Michael bless him. Him. <laughs> yeah, he, lost the, he lost the dat win, the Davey that O'Brien was... Award winner. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. He came up yeah, short. Was, and uh, but that was, I think it was Mandel. Like he listed all the big names, and he listed James Laranitis. Remember him, the of linebacker course, from of our State. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, come on, man. You're telling me James Laranitis is a bigger, bigger name than Peter Warwick? No, of course
1: nuts? not. But that's Mandel, and he's an ass, and that's not surprising. Well, we don't have to call people names. By the way, just, I was
0: just pointing out that I don't want Peter Warwick to be lost to history.
1: Also, Antoine Randall L was
0: on that list.
1: Antonio Langham was on that list. Eric Barry was on this list. Man, it's a,
0: it's a list of lists this year, I buddy. I like they got to put, they got to put fifty guys in a year. Like you just, just, I don't know how many, how many do they put in? Twenty, ten? I, I don't, know. I can't remember be, the total. Yeah, it should be fifty. Like, all these guys should be, and who cares? But it's crazy that it it really is bizarre. I mean, it'll happen, obviously, but Peter Warwick was the best player in the country 23 years ago, and he's still not in the Hall of Fame.
1: He was, uh, and and he was at the time, for what people thought was uh, reprehensible, suspended for something that he would not be suspended for now, which is simply that uh, he had a hookup and a chick gave him a shirt.
0: Man, he would be What we do? That's right. He'd be doing commercials for <laughs> Dillard's. Hey, you want a good deal at Dillard's?
1: I know. I know I know people. I know it. people. I can help you out. Come on. Come shopping <laughs> right. with me, baby. <laughs> yeah. Be good, Corey. Good seeing you, brother. Peace. Later. Yeah, man, that list, though, I did it. I went down memory lane for like a good 20. You know who's on the list? Luke Keekly. Oh, man. That's like no brain. Do it now. Rush him in. He's a yeah, guy who- Hurry been... up. By the way, he's a guy who, been. Yeah, hurry up, he wants to remember it, yes. Uh, by the way, he's a guy who I think is helped out. Now, look, he was two-time first-team All-American. I'm not saying he wasn't great at Boston College. He was. But his NFL career was so
2: prolific, it helps him out. I can remember, though. So the funny part is you're listing all these players' names, and I remember just about everybody, but you're covering 15, 20 years worth of football at minimum there. And uh, more than that, yeah. I remember covering Florida State at the time that Luke Keekley was playing at Boston College. And you keep seeing his name at the top of the conference because you get the conference. Oh, the pamphlet. tackles. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, They're my God. They're patting his yes. stats. They yes. They Patting this dude's stats. Stats, yes. And then I see him play. I'm like, oh, No. No, you know what? That's probably legitimate. I looked around in the oh, press box. right, so right, right. Yeah. In fairness to him, I think him, he's racked up way, that many tackles. I think he's that good.
1: Yes, and we're not condoning that that kind of talk. What I'm saying is that it was frequently thought that they were changing the numbers, and there was resentment. That's what I was trying to hint yeah, at. There was yeah. resentment. Then you watched him play, because most people weren't watching Boston College play. For good reason. And you went, oh, my God, that guy is
2: yeah. How the everywhere. hell did they get him? He's
1: a dominant player.
2: How much money would Alabama have paid him? About two years into his career, oh man, I, yeah, Luke Keekley would have been worth ten million dollars.
1: Ken Dorsey's on this list, by the way. Reggie Bush is on this list. Tim Tebow is on this list. So it's a lot of names this time around. Julius
2: Peppers. 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 Pe- <laughs> Forgot about that one. Oh, didn't it's you? one
1: of the greatest promos ever. I got to give them credit for that. Yeah, and that's like something Mike Ryan does well. That yeah, is peppers. That- peppers. <laughs> peppers. <laughs> Rocky Calm was the linebacker from OU's on there. Do you remember him? What years? Oh, he beat us in the national championship. Oh, that games. year?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, was, that was a hard game to watch. That's a he was part of the reason that it was hard to watch. How many quarters before we get to seventeen points?
1: Golly, that was nine? That was tough. Kellen Moore is on that list.
2: Kellen Moore. Boise State. Oh my goodness. Eric somewhere. Yeah, Brent Musburger is very, very interested in that name. Uh, Corey Moore Whoa. is
1: on the list, and I only want to say Corey Moore is on this list for a reason. It was the best ever was he got completely shut down in the national championship game against Florida State. Um, and I believe, was it Ross? Yeah, I can't remember which which player of ours told them to drink a big glass of shut the hell up. But it was <laughs> hilarious. It was an happy
2: Gilmore thing. Brandon,
1: I think, did that, said that. Uh, yeah, I think so. That's tr- correct. It was funny.
2: So, who loves whom more? Uh, Mike Patrick and John Shire, uh, (laughs) Musburger and Kellen Moore, or Gary Danielson and Tim Tebow?
1: Oh, Gary Danielson and Tim Tebow. He was unbuckling. Every time they got a Florida game, he couldn't wait.
2: Musburger and Kellen Moore was uncomfortable. That was a weird thing. Because he always had every year that opener with Virginia Tech or whoever they would play. Mm. Kellen Moore. (laughs) I mean,
1: like, whoa, Brent. (laughs) No, 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 but you're forgetting the kind of over-the-top excess – in which we had, I mean, I can't say what I want to say. <laughs> right. I can't say Vern what
2: Vern to is tortling and, and <laughs> yeah. Gary's going, oh, it's like Eckersley. I got to go find that clip. <laughs> I'm getting uncomfortable. Jeff Gavishow. showed Real three three to the CBS radio. audience. War Chant TV.
1: Couldn't <laughs> find my headphones. Nearly a problem. Wrapping it up, got to get to it. Let's uh, make our way over to Major League Baseball, shall we? And do a little bit of
2: probables. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, probables?
1: A bunch of day games today, by the way. Arizona and the Reds are in the seventh inning. That is Zach Davies and Tyler Mahal. That game is 3-1 to one Reds. Cardinals Rays. They're in the eighth. Pitchers duel. 2-1 to one. Tampa Bay leading the Cardinals. That's Miles Mikolas. Yes. Shane McClanahan. McClanahan! We got Dodgers, White Sox. Nothing, nothing. Second inning. Tyler Anderson and Dylan Cease. Phillies and Milwaukee are tied at one. That game is in the second inning. That is Zach Eflin and Corbin Burns. Rockies, Giants, Austin Gomber, Logan Webb, Nats, Marlins. Steven Strasberg makes his debut for the year. I forgot about you, Steven. Trevor Rogers going for the Marlins. We got the uh, A's and the Guardians, James Kapilian, and Connor Pinkett. Pirates, Braves. Oh, this is the series I'm going to this weekend. It doesn't bode well for the Buccos. Uh,
2: Braves are starting to get a little bit revved up now.
1: JT Brubaker, who's yet to win a game this year, is pitching for the Buccos tonight against the Braves. Max Fried goes for the uh, Bravos. Going to take the Braves in that one.
2: What time is the game on Saturday for your birthday? Four o'clock. Perfect. As long as there's no weather issues, Mm -hmm. you go back to the battery and catch game six. You're damn right. I'm
1: excited about it. I've not been to uh, Truist, so this will be a new... I've been to every other Braves park, so here we go.
2: Use some sunblock. You're going to get roasted in the first hour, hour and a half. Yeah. But you're going to love the park. It's wonderful.
1: Good times. Yankees twins, Garrett Cole and Dylan Bundy. You know, we're going uh, tubing. We're going tubing tomorrow. In a big river up there in Atlanta. Shooting the hooch? I don't know what we're... we're... Probably the Chattahoochee. Yeah, Probably. Yeah. I didn't yeah. ask my brother, but he's like, hey, we're going to.
2: It's right there in Vining's, which is right next to where the stadium is, so. Could
1: be fun. Uh what did I tell you? Oh yeah. Orioles Royals. Jordan Lyles and Chris Bubik. Fun name to say. Red Sox Angels, Nick Pavetta, and Shohei Atani. And that is a look at those that shall reside at the womb. <music> Yeah, I have. Uh, you've t- you've you've spoken glowingly of Truist, and you hate the Braves, so that tells me yeah. a lot about how much you like that
2: part. Oddly enough, well, this is why I like Turner. The setup of it. Now, I understand that the idea that they want to have commerce lined up next to the stadium, and that's what all modern stadiums mm-hmm. try to do, except in Queens, where it's just danger and chop shops, and then there's a stadium in the middle of it. <laughs> But I like Turner enough. I thought, why are you moving? And then once I got to Truist, I said, that's why. I see. It's just the ballpark itself is much more intimate. It's really nice.
1: Yeah, I always thought that uh, Turner was sterile. I, I, I didn't think it was much of a park. I didn't like it. Uh, people liked it. I was like, eh, there's nothing to it. There's just nothing. It didn't have any intimacy of which you speak. Was, I just
2: like the fairness of the way the ballpark played. Now, I thought, that I agree with. Yeah, it was, that I agree
1: with. Does, this play, and, long, does this play big or, or small?
2: Uh, small to right field. And then I, I see it's been a minute since I've seen, the pandemic happened, but uh, the, obviously in the summer the ball is going to fly out everywhere. That's true. But to right field, I mean, what are we doing? Freddie Freeman. Uh, they they built a park around him, which was and smart. And he left. Uh, but it paid off. Yeah, no, it they, worked. They,
1: they cashed in the chips. Um, yeah, kind of interesting because um, I I it's funny I I would go back to Fulton County Stadium. I remember going to games there way back when, and um the Braves just steady building new stadiums, and I'm like, okay, well. By the way, there's a number out there, Lightning Rangers under five and a half. What do you say?
2: Um, my gut instinct would say that's probably going to be the number, three another, to one three
1: another, to two. Uh, another low scoring?
2: Yeah, because both goalies are really feeling it right now. Yeah, both goalies. So it's been. hard to bet against that. Now, I, it can get squirrely in game six or game seven because if the team that's in danger of being eliminated is losing, they'll leave their goalie out for two or three goals. So you never want to play a total unless you're playing the over in a true elimination game.
1: I'd like to play play at minus 140, uh, Lightning Rangers' first period under a goal and a half. Mm. We'll go with a little one nothing at the end of the first. Maybe.
2: I got a feeling Tampa's going to have to um, deal with at least one kind of shaky call and maybe two in the first period, usually the home team in a game like this gets an early power play where you're like, oh, really? Okay, all right, I see how it is. That's how we're doing it. And it goes both ways. It yeah, happens both ways. Yeah, yeah, So I'd be yeah. leery of that catching. So you don't
1: like it. You don't like it. I don't know, man. The Rangers are finding it very hard to score right well, now. Well, what's
2: Tampa's team total? That's what I'd look at. If they're smart, they do it at 3.5. But if it's 2.5, I'd play that over. Oh, I'll play
1: that over. Also, I'd like uh, for Friday's basketball game, Marcus Smart over 3.5 rebounds.
2: Oh, all right. Just so you know. Making sure you get that out there.
1: We're having fun today, man. We're having a little fun, a little loosey goosey edition, because uh, you know we're leaving town and all that good stuff. So what are you going to do? Three and a half? you ready
2: for a birthday weekend? Not really. Oh, not really. Well, I expected that answer to be different.
1: I, you know, I don't celebrate birthdays the way that I did when I was young. <laughs> but you're going tubing and
2: going to a baseball game.
1: I'm not saying I'm not going to have a great time. I'm going to have a great time. I get to be with family. I get to see my brother. Uh, love my brother. It's going to be great spending time with him and see his family. Uh, my boys are coming with me, so this will be this will be a good time. Is he going
2: to sing you the birthday song?
1: I hope so right,
2: I don't you know, I don't know so, but I, but I hope so. Are you sad if people don't sing you the birthday song at some point?:
1: I actually joke around all the time about celebrating my birthday month, but I don't really care i don't I don't, I don't really expect it. I, I mean I, I like nice things.
2: Happy but I'm just kidding. <laughs> No,
1: I, I mean I like nice things, but I, I don't need, I don't need to be sung to. Uh, good work out of you. There good goes, work, Director uh, Matthew.
2: The Gene Deckeroff cameo I bought for you. Sorry.
1: Now that would be awesome. Hey there. I could call him and ask him to sing. Gino, will you sing to me, buddy? Of I'm gonna, course. I'm recording it. Peace, everybody. Be well.